And those are the, the type of things I learned that I could then go share with the teams. So the big question is, what are the top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate, grow their teams and add more transactions year over year while so many struggle? If you ever thought about this, you're not alone. No one has been able to get the answers until now. We spent the last few years helping agents sell billions in real estate, rubbing shoulders with top producers, which got us thinking. How can we expose more people to these insights to help raise the standard in the whole real estate industry? We then realized that we could help bridge the gap by getting secrets from the best of the best so that you can succeed. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Elite Agent Secrets. Today we've got Nicholas Giambra with us. He did 117 fucking deals in 12 months with no admin assistant, no agents, no nothing. I think that's the record for the show, everyone being on, so he gets to hold that flag. Right now, two years later, he's got three employees, nine agents. He is the number one team at their local Keller Williams. He's been in real estate now for eight years. He sold over 800 pieces of real estate, totaling 180 million in transactions. Everyone, this is going to be fire. We've been talking off air. Nicholas sounds like a motherfucking gangster. We can't wait to dive in how some solo agent does 117 deals in a year by himself. No support. Everyone listening. No admin. No one. <laughs> this is crazy. Nicholas, thanks for jumping on the show with us today. It's going to be a monster. How you doing? I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys and uh, be a part of the show. So thanks for having me. Dude, what kind of fucking mental case does 117 deals by themselves, no TC, no admin, balls to the wall, what were you like working all day, every day? Take us back to what those days used to look like or even further, how you even got started in real how estate. How did you get into real estate? Take us back eight years before we get into that year because I want to know what the growth curve looked like. So what were you doing before? I was working in the restaurant industry, which I always tell people is a great transition into the real estate sales game because it really gives you the opportunity to learn how to talk to people, whether no matter who they are or uh, what they do or if they're in a good mood or a bad mood. So it just really teaches you the essential people skills necessary to you know, be that accommodating personality that you need to have to be successful representing buyers and sellers and doing it at a high level. So the restaurant industry to start. And then my father was in real estate. And I thought at that time, like he was a big flipper, but then I met big flippers, you know, later on in my career, realized he was like a smaller fish, but uh, doing his real estate at the beginning and then just, uh, just crushing it. Just, just working <laughs> it's, hard. It's it's amazing how you think someone is very well off or you're doing big things until you find somebody who's doing bigger things and then you gain the perspective of, holy shit, I thought this guy was big time. And then you find a guy who's quote unquote actually big time and it's it just totally skews everything for you, right? So when you transitioned, did you just dive balls deep and right into real estate full time or were you also part time? I was part-time, I would say probably for the first 18 to 24 months where I was still like phasing out of the restaurant industry, but I was still tending bar at certain places where there was, you know, people there that I could connect with, with the management staff that was cool with me, like talking about real estate the whole time versus what people like to drink. So uh, it helped make that transition into it being full-time. And that took about 18 to 24 months upon just 
getting licensed first. And it's a tough start at the beginning, um, but same with owning any type of small business. It, it's very hard at the beginning. The supplemental income helped. And uh, when I got out of the restaurant industry, it felt like as if I was getting out of jail. <laughs> and wow. into, uh, into the world of real estate. What, what were your first couple of years like then? Part-time, did you do many deals or not? Yeah, so when I, when I first started, uh, my father was in real estate. So he advised me to go with to go under his real estate agent at the time. And she was probably like one of the most influential people in my life. She was an older agent at the time in one of the most respected offices in Western New York. And her husband is a real estate lawyer. So she knew this business from just like the straight and narrow, this is how you do things. This is ethical. This is legal. And she instilled that in me within the first two years of me practicing. So I always knew the straightest possible line to walk you know, while being an agent and then uh, just having that mindset as the career developed with just like real estate's cut and dry. It doesn't have to be gray. And the more black and white you make it, the more deals you can do. So that just helped me start and transition into where we are today. It's interesting you say that it's black and white and the more deals you can do. Can you help us understand what you mean by that? Because, you know, whether it's somebody's very new and they're just listening, they're probably thinking of like, well, how can you make real estate gray, right? You show a house, you put in an offer, you do your inspections, you send in the escrow. Like what, what makes it black and white versus what makes it gray? So in, in just a regular transaction, or at least in Western New York, there's at least 10 to 15 people involved in that deal from uh, the buyer and seller's agent through the whole entire process until you're at the closing table. And if you can just maintain integrity and be honest and keep things cut and dry and truthful, then you never have to spend any time looking backwards, which creates more time for you to just keep going forward and keep doing good deals because you're telling the truth and you're doing things the right way. I love that. I love that. I'm curious then. So it was like this part-time. I mean, I know, I think what our listeners are thinking, which is we opened up with 117 deals in a year and you started part-time where you got your first deals. Obviously your dad, it sounds like helped you kind of that initially. So when you went full-time, what'd that look like for you? You know, were you doing 20, 30 deals a year right out of the gate? Was it more? How did you get to 117? You know, how long did that take you? Because I know now you've transitioned to more of a team role. It'd be interesting to know um, how you were getting those deals, how many you were getting to, to kind of give a bit of context because, I mean, you, you've put ridiculous numbers on the board as a solo agent. So someone told me one time um, about this guy named Charlie Munger, who's the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, who's Warren Buffett's partner. And Warren Buffett cred credits like all the success of Berkshire Hathaway to Charlie Munger. And Charlie Munger said something. It said, take care of the work that's on your desk. If you take care of what's on your desk, the rest will come. So that was the mindset I had through those first like six years of just being a solo entrepreneur in real estate. Just take care of everything that's right here and the rest will come. So it was a it was a grind to get to the point where I was doing 100 and 100 plus deals a year for a short period of time. But it was by taking care of what already existed. And I think like my first year may have been eight deals, maybe 20 the second year, maybe 30 the third year. But now that we're operating the team, I have agents that are one year into the business that have made 80 to 100 grand this year so far. And their production capability as a new agent is way higher than where mine was as a new agent because I was able to 
help them like cut through the bullshit and just get right on track with what they need to do to be successful to fill their pipeline and do deals. Yeah, which is one of the advantages we talk about all the time with joining a team is that you have you get to cut. Okay, you get a cut, right? We we there's this like uh, standoff between like go solo, keep it all, give a bit to your broker, or joining a team. When it's like the advantage of joining a super successful team is you really get to condense five years into a year. You know, because a lot of people might take three five years to become pretty successful if they stick at it. But what you're saying is like you're a monster. Join my team. I have a proven path here for you to make six figures plus in your first year and just follow what I've done. Like, let's cut the bullshit and you can be successful. And then, you know, whatever happens in the future happens. But it's a nature of like following someone like you. It's like you get to skip almost directly to success, right? Like they just get to avoid all that shit that you went through for all them years. Like, because you've blatantly stuck it out. Like you said, you've been in this eight years now. And like you said, it was like eight deals, maybe then 20. And it's like eight's nothing special. Like it's, you know, it's not bad, but it's, you know, you weren't this hundred deals out the gate person, which a lot of people want to believe for someone that's your, your level of success. They believe it just came to you, right? Which isn't true. And Andrew, there's so much packed into what you're saying. Like from like the team leadership perspective, you need to have someone there that, understands the business that's leading, that has enough transactions under their belt to help you navigate your transactions as best as possible. And, but that's just one part of it. Like team members look to the team leader for leads, uh, but they also look for, you know, the backend support and marketing support. And that's like, as a solo agent, it's like, how do I show value to the consumer at every point and every part of this transaction? And now as you transition into the team management role, it's how do you show value to the consumers, but also to the people that are underneath you. Right. And then that that's interesting. So you just, obviously we kind of skipped ahead to the team bit now. So if just going back momentarily, and then I really want to dive into actually your first topic, which is when you got to the 117, which like I said before, I think genuinely for, for us, we believe that is the highest for a solo agent we've ever had on the show. In fact, it's probably the highest we've ever heard of. And I know you're, I think for you, it's about the same. I mean, for any listeners, if you know anyone that's done more than 170 and that's with no admin, that's what we're, it's like. No, no admin, no TC, like, like legitimately solo, right? I'm thinking, what do your days look like? How are you managing all of that from a bandwidth perspective? I'm shit. I got to shut the fuck up, stop bitching, moaning, complaining to Andrew sometimes because I'm handling five, six people at a time. Is that your phone One ringing? Place. This was the CRM. It wasn't some fancy Salesforce. It wasn't this custom built out software in Podio. It wasn't using Monday.com. It was committing yourself to the appointments that were put on my calendar and my phone and saving everybody's, everybody's phone number who called me throughout those first six years of real estate. So you're saying... You didn't have a CRM to manage. No it. systems, no nothing. So there what? was no TC workflow. There was no. Like we have systems now in place, but there was no spreadsheet. There was no. There was nothing. What? It was just. Dude, I'm having anxiety grand. just thinking about what you're saying. What the every fuck? attorney <laughs> approval, every inspection, every PINA, every addendum, every contract, all of that, all of the entire workflow of a real estate agent done on those deals, but. 
a lot of those deals were double-ended where I was repping buyer and seller. And I do feel like you need a ton of those deals within the mix to be able to get to that volume. And yeah. some people get like freaked out by the dual agency thing. But again, going back to if you tell the fucking truth, nothing will yeah. ever come back to hurt you. So if you tell right. the truth and you do what the buyer and seller says, what's the problem with dual agency? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I, I couldn't agree. And listen, it allows you to have half the number of clients and twice the money, right? So it's all, all, all vice versa. So I mean, I, if anything, now it's just got even more impressive. I, I, I don't necessarily think it was a great idea <laughs> to not have a CRM, but the fact that you did 170 and you were just that dedicated that it was like, I'm just going to record everything. You obviously had somewhat of a system. It wasn't just chance. You, there's no way you did 117 by chance for anyone listening. I, I think you were very methodical in the way you were processing everything. I'm assuming even though you're not, you don't have an official system, when you put in an offer, there's a certain way that you did it. When you communicate with the title company or the attorneys, there's a certain way you did it. When you were getting into a certain point in the transaction, you were writing the addendums or whatever else needed to be done, right? So it kind of became like secondhand nature, which kind of, you know, one of the things that you, you, you're, you're, you're saying is you got so good at doing the day to day that when it came the time to do it, you didn't think much about it. You were like, cool, here's an offer. Here's what I do. Bang, bang, send it off. Here's an inspection. You order the inspection probably as soon as the offer gets accepted. Right. So there was some kind of like a, routine per se even though you manage it all from your phone right yeah i guess as i hear you talk about that peter it's like yeah when things need to get done do them right away there was no yeah. like okay i'll get to this tomorrow i'll do this in a couple of days like i'm the type of person when there's something to do i'm doing it and I'm it doing it don't, don't hang out and fuck about on netflix or whatever with the buddies you know, Dude, there was no netflix there was no video games there it was pure fucking sacrifice it was waking up at six in the morning to do what I needed to do to be the best version of myself, reading the books I needed to read to understand the things I needed to understand to grow and and pure desire to be great. And that really started when I, I read Napoleon Hill's Thinking Grow Rich, where he really talks about in that book, like, if you think you can, you can, or if you think you can't, you can't, you yeah. know, in essence. And it was like, yeah, I want this. I knew why I wanted it. I am have like a people seeking part of me that really like just gets high in a sense when people say nick thank you so much i couldn't have done this without you so i got addicted to that and that was at the same time as i was getting off of everything else that i was doing right yeah so it was just that transition into the next thing that i became addicted to which was helping people when they said hey i want to buy something or hey i have this property i want to sell i've got something super interesting so we were, we were talking off air about another guest who um, she's an absolute monster. And this is so weird. You and her do the same thing. And she's the only person that I think holds a flag to you with regards volume. She was like, I'm not and never was the best realtor. I was subpar at best at every part of the process. She was like, the one thing I did that allowed me my success, which was over a million dollars in GCI as a solo agent. She was like, I just did everything right away. She was like, I, I, because like the way my personality works is I'm but like, she, you know, she's just like, I'm just not very good at most stuff, but I have to do everything now. Otherwise it just doesn't get done. So like we were discussing other stuff. She's like, I'll do it right now. And she's like, that's how my brain works. And that was one of her key underpinnings 
to making a million dollars in a year was she was just doing everything she got right now. There was no, I'll remember to do this. It was like, it's getting done now or it ain't getting done. So everything got done now. And therefore it backed out to huge volume. And that's so interesting that you said, I just do everything now. Like I just do it now and it gets done. And you don't have to remember, we talk about mental bandwidth a lot. So you don't have to remember anything, right? Yep. And then doing it right and doing it with honesty, then you really don't have to remember anything. And you just create so much more headspace for you to go do the next thing. Which kind of rolls us nicely into really your topic number one. It's that internal struggle to be the best version of you. You've kind of touched on it a few times now. But what help help us understand what does that mean to you specifically other than just getting up every morning and quote unquote sacrificing? So what what it means most to me is it, it kind of comes into like some sort of emotional intelligence, which I think can be like it can be uh it's a skill that can be mastered as you go through life, but it's just being that best version of yourself. And if you can't take care of yourself, how could you possibly take care of other people? And this is a service-based industry where success is directly determined by your ability to service your clients. And that could be, you know, through customer service or market knowledge or through construction advice or investment strategy or negotiation type of stuff, or getting people off market opportunities or just, based on your ability to network with other professionals within the industry that get involved in the deal. And if you aren't fed, if you aren't taken care of, if you don't love that person that's inside of you, how could you show up to be that best person for somebody else? It's virtually impossible. It's virtually impossible, right? To show up for other people if you can't show up for yourself. So taking care of self, I think is like, that's the one thing most brokers should start teaching before they start teaching somebody how to log contacts into a CRM, how to be the best version of them so that they could show up for other people. What would you say, like if, if, for example, an agent's joining your team, so you're like, I want them to be the best version of them. What are some of the things maybe that you make them do or things that you advise that they should do so that they turn up every day? to be, you know, the best versions of them. And and what do you do also for yourself? But, you know, for other people listening, I think that'd be interesting to learn. So my routine starts off pretty steady and it's, it doesn't matter if it's Monday or Sunday, it's pretty much the same thing every day. Uh, But I I like to be up by five o'clock and just read a half hour. I'm not a reader. I don't enjoy reading. It's a skill I've become better at the more I've read. Uh, But I still go back and reread pages all the time because I'm not that that good at it, but I know how important it is to do for the education of, of myself. And those are the the type of things I learned that I could then go share with the team. So my schedule just consists of waking up at five, reading for a half hour and getting to a yoga class at six. I'm done by yoga by seven 15 and I'm off to work by eight. And, and, uh, we do like a team book club on our team. So we're reading a book every two weeks together. That's something that i you know, would like all the agents to participate in, although it's not mandatory. I found that if you make it mandatory, you have people there that aren't really adding to the conversation. So we encourage people to join our book club. We encourage them to take time to take care of themselves. And in that year, when I did all those deals, like I didn't do anything but those deals. I didn't have a family. I didn't, I don't have kids. I don't have a wife. I don't have dogs or cats. So I had time to do it. And I understand that people on our team now have those other obligations. And that is part of the reason why they're on a team, too, because with the phase of their life that they're in, they know they can't do everything that they need to do to 
do it themselves. So it's like, I'll help you, you help me. And then we're very strict on, on the no lying thing on telling the truth. Like I don't sacrifice on that. Tell the truth. It's very fucking simple. It makes life a lot better. And we're just following our buddy, Jordan Peterson. Tell the truth. Don't lie. It's not that hard to do. Oh, and by the way, if you're interested in gaining access to our courses and coaching 100% free, then head over to go.eliteagentsecrets.com.